freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you, you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Oh, yes, hi, it is the Brock and Salk Show. Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app. Plus all those podcast platforms, wherever they are, Justin's going to find you and make sure that you're listening and make sure they're working and downloading and subscribing the way they're supposed to work. Yep, in the easiest way possible and make sure it's catered just to you. It's so nice of you, man. You're, you're it's Really, it's a bespoke experience. Yeah, it's not a one-size-fits-all experience for sure. No, it's bespoke. We really want to yeah. want to help everybody make it uh, tailor-made to themselves. How's you're not fighting this anymore, Justin. Yeah, Justin's embraced his yes, job. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> After a full year of me telling everybody that that's what Justin does. I will say there's been people at the Mariners game who have asked me to come over and set up their... (laughs) Stop. That's not true. Who have been like, you can come over and set this up for me. I can't get this speaker to work here. I'm like, okay, I hope you're actually not thinking that that's a real thing. That's very funny. Uh, Well, what a day. What a morning to be here, man. We... uh, on Sunday, kind of started working on what we could do to just blow this week up, right? Make it a big-time Mariner week and bring in some extra guests, etc. And we found Tom Verducci, and of course, we got Scott Service on the show yesterday, and also added uh, 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 Buster Olney yesterday, and of course, Jerry Depoto is going to join us today, which was great. And then the Mariners have kind of done their share, right? It was their job to just kind of keep winning. And I know they lost one game, sort of looked a little flat against Oakland, and maybe yesterday wasn't their best effort, but they kind of did their job, right? I mean, they continued to win over the course of the week, and they head out of here, off to New York, off on a very difficult road trip, going through New York, Cincinnati, Tampa, and they do it having just won 21 games in the month of August. And I was just doing a little research yesterday. You didn't have to look far to do this research. <laughs> All you really had to do was, you know, watch a game, jump on Twitter, listen to anybody who talks about the Mariners yesterday. And you heard about how these 21 wins in a month had never been done before. And it just made me think for a moment, not, not for that long, but just for like a, just like a brief moment, because I would never spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of a thing about ranking nevers but for like a i think we've done that <laughs> yeah, haven't we, we have. through the never <laughs> we're gonna rank 21 yeah never more. 21 pilots yeah. 21 gun salute 21 anyway, jump, jump street uh it just made me think that for one month anyway just for one month not not forever but at least for one month this was the greatest mariner team of all time Mm. And I was just thinking. (laughs) You You thought back to your article. (laughs) What article? Good callback. What do you mean? Oh, you wrote a story at the beginning of the season that maybe, just maybe, perhaps this is the greatest Mariners team of all time. So for one month, I don't remember that. Did I? So for one month, you were. You know, my memory's not great. I don't. I don't really remember that. But I. I was thinking that for one month they did something (laughs) that no Mariner team has ever accomplished before. They showed that they have the capability, anyway, of being the greatest Mariner team of all time. I wish I would have thought about that. Jeez, I don't know. I I, like. I just. It was something that was kind of everywhere. Yes. Don't worry, Justin. You don't have to think about it because Salt will think about (laughs) the times that he was right that he might be able to bring up. What are you talking about? I'm not saying I was right about anything. I don't know what you mean. 
I have no idea. Do you know my memory's not good? You know what? I don't even think about things like that. Certainly, I would never have received any notes from people over the course of the first three or four months of the season of letting not. me know that I had written something like that. But I just, I just, what? it dawned on me yesterday as everybody was crowing and excited about this Mariner team and everything they'd accomplished 21 wins in one month that uh, that had never happened before. So I was just going to say, I'm. I'm not going to fight you on it because for, I, to a certain point, I agree with you as someone who argued with you extensively earlier this season. I, I think the fact that this team right now keeps a, keeps breaking franchise records and accomplishing historical things should should finally tell us that we can like give up on the you know same old Mariners, on the doubting, on the like we should really believe in this. Team. Well, I appreciate that. I, I kind of thought that was true after last year, but everybody arrives at these things at different times. I'm jo- I'm not joking and I'm not being a jerk. I'm serious. Like it, it wherever you arrive at that, I think it's totally fine. And if last year wasn't enough to convince you of that, not you personally, but anybody more like that's cool. I was convinced after last year, quite frankly, I was never really convinced that meant anything, but I was definitely convinced after this team did what had never been done before. And moments like bouncing back after that awful Kansas City loss last year were incredibly telling to me. Coming back against uh, Toronto in that unbelievable moment and just that to me made everything change and feel different. And for me, sort of unlocked the ability to to get hurt. And, I, and that doesn't seem to have been true for everybody. And maybe it's still not true for some people. I'll tell you a story at 7 o'clock. As you know, there are some very frustrated negative Mariner fans that uh, have my contact information. And I'll tell you about an exchange I had with one yesterday that left me absolutely flabbergasted for the rest of the day. I could not believe what I had gotten from this person yesterday. But I, I, I'm trying to process it. And we'll talk through it at 7 o'clock. I really enjoy this team, man. I really enjoy the way they play. I really enjoy that they get contributions from all across their 26-man roster and really across their 40-man roster. I love that even when they're not good, they're still pretty good. And I love that they've battled back from where they are. And like all good teams, you don't get this with bad teams, unfortunately. But like all good teams, they start looking for ways to have even more fun. And it helps when you've got Julio at the center of it all with his sort of quirky, mischievous, fun personality. But perhaps you heard that Julio decided to buy everybody Run DMC outfits for their trip to New York. He bought them the full Adidas sweatsuit and special shoes, etc. Now... Julio's an Adidas guy, right? He's got an Adidas deal. Mm -hmm. It's entirely possible that Julio's never heard of Run DMC, and the people at Adidas were like, hey, these guys did a song called My Adidas. You want to check this out? And Julio's like, yeah, all right. Sounds good. He did thank Adidas Oakley and Bump Box for making this happen. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, so they all did, and everybody's dressed up. I don't care. It was awesome. It's It's freaking awesome. So perhaps you've seen the video. If not, I'll play some of the audio here. Scott Service gets in front of the whole team after their comeback win yesterday. Everyone, including Scott, is dressed like Run DMC. Everybody, including Scott, is dressed like Run DMC. Scott looks, and I say this with love and respect, absolutely freaking ridiculous. 100%. I mean, he's wearing the sunglasses, the whole deal. He looks like a character in a bad 90s movie of, like, the white guy trying to look like he's not white. He's the only one that looks like it's a Halloween costume. Everybody else looks like they could pull it off. It is ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know. I saw Kate Marlowe in the background. I didn't see Kate. But Scott looks absurd. Anyway, it's great. He's talking to the whole team. And as much as I'm going to make fun of Scott for how he looks... 
I'm not going to make fun of what he did because this is awesome. Scott decided to take it to the next level. Unbelievable month. You guys have been awesome. Okay, we got a big month ahead of us. Keep having fun. Julio brought this idea to me uh, about a week or two ago. I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Okay, and uh, it's about having a good time, keeping it loose. No problem with you guys, but uh, we dropped the Run DMC. And you guys know anything about Run DMC? It's, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, so uh, I made a few calls and I found Rev Run. So, what do we got? Julio Rodriguez rocking the Run DMC. Got the whole crew rocking it, bringing the energy to New York City. This is Rev Run. Keep repping, keep rocking, keep rolling. Y'all are on fire. Peace. Well, so they go crazy. I'm not sure they go crazy because they have any idea who Rev Run is. <laughs> but it was still pretty awesome. What a great moment. And uh, good on Scott, man. If you're going to use those connections for good, absolutely. Get Reverend Run on video. Talking to Julio. Repping the Run DMC outfit. It's pretty fun, man. That's the great stuff you get once your teams start winning. So and I were just talking back here, too. The, like, the remodel they did on the clubhouse and everything, too, with those black and white jumpsuits. Oh, yeah. It looked really cool. It looked very cool. Very, very cool. Oh, great text from the 206. Yes, you've nailed it. Scott reminded me of Jason Sudeikis in the SNL sketch. What's up with that? The guy who comes in and just starts <laughs> dancing. If Scott could come in and do the running man dance like Sudeikis, that would pretty much be it. Yeah. I don't know who would play Lindsey Buckingham in that, but we'll have to figure <laughs> that out. So- Perfect. All right. Great text, 206. Absolutely. Thank you. That was what we needed this morning. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know as we just witnessed the greatest Mariner month in history. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, you can't sweep every series. Just doesn't work that way in baseball. With the race so tight, though, and just 30 games left to play, you sure want to win as many of them as possible, especially against the lowly A's. And down 3 nothing early. Took a couple of big moments to ensure that win yesterday. It's 1-0. Swung on club. Left field. Hammered. It's on its way into the A's bullpen. Brand new ball game. Tails slugs another. A three-run home run, and we are tied. That was the bottom of the third. They ended up giving up a run later to be down 4-3. Don't worry, J.P. Crawford would come through in the seventh. Base is loaded. The pitch to J.P. Swung on. Line drive. Left field base hit. Scoring from third base is Canzone. Big wave Caballero. The throw home. He slides. He is safe. The Mariners have taken the lead. J.P. Crawford. Coming through huge for the M's. He's been massive all season long, and he's given the Mariners the lead. Yeah, that's how it would finish as Brash and Munoz were both filthy late in that game. Have a day off coming today as well. So some good news for both of them. I I like that win for them yesterday. Yeah, they give up a couple of runs early. They go through the first few times on the first time in the lineup, and nobody really does anything. And then you come back through the second time, and you get your look at the guy, and you hit a three-run home run. By the way, you torch a three-run home run. Teo got all of that one. And then you do the little things late. I love seeing JP go the other way on the first pitch. Caballero cruising home from I mean, he was moving to score on that play. There was no way they were going to catch him. That's a nice little win for the Mariners. And as Scott mentioned afterwards, if you're going to come down and have a great season, winning those rubber matches, pretty helpful. It changes your season. You know, you, you need to win the rubber game. You're not going to go out and win the first two games uh, of every series. And then when it comes right down to it, you've seen the other team a couple days. You kind of get a feel for them. 
who's hot, who's not. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to pitching. It really does. And um, again, the job that Bryce Miller did today, i got to be honest, I was a little worried after the second inning. Um, I was hoping to get him through five because we didn't have the pitching. You just have to leave him out there to throw his pitches, and then hopefully we can get to the back end. And that really sets the game up for you. If he doesn't do that today, we don't win the game. So a ton of credit goes to him. Yeah, that was nice. He obviously was not at his absolute best early, but managed to go six innings. All right, afterwards, Astros win, Blue Jays win, so no help there. Rangers lose. What a terrible game. Honestly, it was a bad game to watch. I watched a lot of it. They came back, then they blew a two-run lead, then they give up a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch. After once again walking the bases loaded in the 10th inning, they lose and now fall a game back. Red Sox are seven and a half back. They're pretty well done. Can we say the Red Sox are done at seven and a half out now? Mora, that's a that's an affirmative. Red Sox are done. We don't have to root uh, against them anymore. Boston fans are. My dad's been telling me they were done since last month. Well, they're, so. they're done now. <laughs> seven and a half back. Just got swept by the Astros. So this is a four-team fight, man. Four teams fighting for three spots. Mariners have the day off today. They'll fly to uh, New York, take on the Mets, who quite frankly stink. And, uh, man, they find ways to lose. The bullpen is a train wreck as well. And uh, then the whole road trip will continue through Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. Here's the second thing you need to know. Julio going to play on this road trip? I certainly hope so. He was uh, once again not able to pinch hit yesterday after the same was true the day before. This is now two days in a row. Julio's been unable to go. He was not going to pinch hit last night. No, it's, it's, you know, you have to, I always, you know, you lean on the players, you trust the players. They know their bodies better than anybody else does. And uh, I just didn't think it was it was worth it. And uh, where he was at, he wasn't in a good spot. So, again, we'll see where he's at today. Well, that was before the game yesterday. As Scott Service joined us, you'll hear that whole interview coming up in about 10 minutes. It didn't change during the game because there were some opportunities to get him in. So not only was he not available to start that game, he wasn't able to pinch hit in that game either. We'll wait and see whether Julio feels any better tomorrow. Better news on Ty France. He played. He did go 0 for 3, but he was back in the game. Obviously, that's great. Sounds like George Kirby is going to slot back into the rotation in New York. So maybe that gives either Castillo or Wu an extra day of rest, depending on which day he ends up getting back in there. September call-ups will be tomorrow. You only get two. It's not like the old days where you could add, like, 15 guys to your roster. You only get to add two. So it looks like it's going to be Sam Haggerty, who was up with the team for the flight yesterday. And then pitcher Adam Aller, uh, who's been with the A's kind of back and forth, up and down a little bit over the last few years. They're both on the trip. They'll be called up tomorrow. Aller could start. He can relieve. Haggerty, obviously provided uh, some help as a pinch runner, solid outfield defense, and a switch hitting bat, which, again, they can use right now as they got a little left-handed over the course of the last few days. Waiver claims are going to be awarded today, so we'll find out what's going on with uh, all of the Angels and Yankees and anybody else that was thrown on waivers here in the last couple of days. And then today is also the deadline to get players into your organization if you want to use them in the playoffs. So, to that end, Mariners picked up old friend yesterday, Luis Torrens. He signs a minor league deal, goes to AAA, could be insurance in case Tom Murphy can't return. We'll ask Jerry DePoto about that coming up at 8.30. Here's the third thing you need to know. Speaking of waivers, Seahawks added two more players to their 53-man roster yesterday. Cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly, who was waived by Baltimore, and then linebacker Drake Thomas, who was waived by Las Vegas. We got a little more on those guys uh, from Pete Carroll. Kelly in particular, um, you know, saw him all through the, the process, you know, and I really liked what he, he looked like uh, you know, as a uh, 
as a cover guy and hit well and reminded me of another Stanford corner I'd seen back in the day. Um, kind of long and looked, looked, you know, really in control, body control wise and all that kind of stuff. That was really cool. Um, uh, for for Thomas, um, uh, he's a he's a ball player. You know, really instinctive, really natural. Finds the football really well. Hits with everything he's got. Not the biggest guy, but but he brings everything he's got. And a very effective special teams guy as well. So uh, he looked like a, a, an exciting guy to add to the to the mix and in, in hopes that he can find his way in special teams right off the bat and then work his way from there. Yeah, so those guys both joined the team out are Artie Burns and John Radigan. Uh, Burns already on the practice squad. We'll see what happens with Radigan. He will likely end up there as well. The one thing that kind of bummed me out yesterday, no Seahawks claimed off waivers elsewhere. Right, that's sometimes a little indication of what kind of depth you have. And there weren't a lot of players in general claimed off waivers, so maybe I shouldn't read too much into it. But it's always well, good they, to see that other people want your guys. But they didn't really get rid of anyone that, we, that we were like, oh, man, you lost that guy. Yeah, but it's always good to know that you have so much depth that other people yeah. want your talent. It's not a huge deal. And I think there were only like 20-something claims in general yesterday. But you, you uh, guys have said that before about coaches, even. Yeah, like, yes, coaches are getting pushed. It's good, it's good to know when people want your stuff. Uh, quick injury updates: Devin Bush, Cam Young, back to practice. Derek Hall, Daryl Taylor, Devin Witherspoon, and Mike Morris all did not practice yesterday. Pete kind of circumspect when he was asked about Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon, um, he's still in rehab. Do I have to? Am I supposed to not comment on this stuff? Is that what you're saying? Uh, okay, yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to take that. Make that comment right there. Scratch it. Pete, realizing he doesn't have to make any comments about injuries this week, he'll uh, he'll let us know next week. That's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I was thinking about your fans and what it takes to believe juxtaposed next to the baseball is not linear philosophy that you've expressed a few times. Mm-hmm. It can go both ways there too, right? Like it, linear doesn't track for when people need to start believing the same way. Like that's, it's not like there's the handbook yeah. that says this happened. Therefore, now you, you need, now to, need believe. to believe. Yes. Everybody's kind of got their different markers. For All that. of that being said, I was still shocked at what was said to me yesterday. Oh, okay. okay. Like I still agree. You're right. Not everyone's going to come to the same conclusions at the same time. I'll tell you seven. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal, but I was just like, uh, okay, um, that surprises me. So we'll do that at 7. Uh, Scott Service joined us yesterday. How did this team get here? How did they turn it around? What were things like when they were booed off the field at the end of, what was it, June? We asked him all those questions and a whole lot more. Stick around. You'll hear from the skipper. Coming up next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. And happy to be joined by Mariner skipper Scott Service, who spends a few minutes with us. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Well, we're good. And, and you know, when we booked this interview a few days ago, we're super excited to talk about where the team's at and what they've been doing and everything else. It's been just such an awesome run. We want to talk more about, what, you know, how this team got to where they are, what a fun run it's been. Maybe the best way to do that is to go back a couple of months in time, exactly two months, to June 30th. It was a tough day. Tampa was in town. The team was booed that day at home. Can you take me back to to maybe post-game that day, where the team was at, and maybe what happened next? Uh, I forget about getting booed at home. So why would you bring that up? That's, that's not a good way to start it. Well, you know? uh, yeah, you got to start again, at the bottom to get to the top. 
yeah, that's the I story. Got you. I got you. Uh, no, it's the, the first couple months of the season were tough. They were challenging. I think, you know, we were playing tough schedule. You know, we weren't doing anything consistently offensively. Uh, but for our for the goodness of our club, our pitching was awesome, and it was giving us a chance. It was keeping us in games. It was uh, avoiding us uh, or helping us stay away from a, you know a long losing streak just because we're so consistent on the mound and. You know, eventually we kept, you know, saying that we're better than this. It will come around. It will come around. And, you know, sometimes it's it's, it's the crazy, you know, a big hit or a big come from behind win. I, I look at that, you know, series we had over in Anaheim. And, you know, we hit the grand slam by Cade Marlowe that night when we were kind of down. And that kind of flipped a lot of things in a positive frame for our team. And the one thing I've said about our team really the last couple of years is we don't quit. We don't quit playing. We keep fighting. We keep grinding. Even last night's game, we didn't have nothing going on. And you look up at second, third, and Gino's at the plate. You think, okay, we can pull this out. And it's really a testament to our players. Um, they have never, and they just, they're just not wired that way. They don't give up. And it's led by, of course, our, our shortstop. Uh, you know, JP, is, he's in the middle of it all the time. And, you know, it's been fun to, to see how this thing, whole thing has come about. But, you know, there's nothing – like the electricity that Julio Rodriguez has brought, you know, with his bat and as hot as he's been and his, it's been contagious. It's rubbed off on a bunch of our guys. Uh, we're having good at bats up and down the lineup. Last night we got, we got stifled a little bit offensively. We just couldn't get much going. It's going to happen once in a while in baseball, but we got to get after it today again. We'll get to Julio. Uh, I think Salk and I got a bunch, and Salk did not love Buster Olney's comp for, for Julio today, so we can, we can get to that in a second. But just uh, I'm curious, Scott, just looking back at that, I think continuity matters so much. The continuity of you and Jerry in this front office and the years and years and years and years you have together. And, and I found it very compelling when you had said to either Goldie or Divish, somebody had it out this week, that in that moment you doubled down. You double down on like we're going to really lean into who we are and what we believe, and we're not going to panic and we're not going to freak out. I just wonder if you could speak to how much that trust that you all have together allows you, even in the midst of that struggle, to double down. Well, those of us in leadership positions here in the building, philosophically, we are aligned. We believe in the same things and what's important. Uh, to sustain winning baseball over the course of a season. That doesn't mean you're going to go out and do it every day and execute it, but uh, our foundation is, is locked. It's solid. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, and people are tired of hearing about it. You know, you control the strike zone. You, you control counts on the mound. You grind out at bats. You keep doing those things, and you keep talking about it, and you track it internally, and, and you just keep hitting your players over the head with it, and they buy in. They believe it because when we're playing at our best, that's what we're doing. And I think when things start to go off the rails a little bit, you have to go back to your foundation. I think you do it in football, Brock. You know, we're not tackling right. We're blocking right. It's not the schematic things that you're doing. It's not bringing the right pitcher in at the right time out of the bullpen. It's going back to the basic fundamentals. And we've clearly defined what is important to us. Our players understand what's important to us. So when it starts going bad, you have to go back uh, to the foundation that we've built here. And we've been able to do that because there has been continuity here. And that's, that's a thank you to our ownership group. And, you know, Jerry and I having the ability to kind of put those things in place and it works. We believe in it. Uh, now we're on a great stretch right now. One of the reasons we're on that great stretch is because we're doing those things at a very, very high level. We don't give up free bases. We're the least in baseball. Number one in baseball and giving up free bases. We don't walk people. We don't make a lot of errors. We, you know, and when we're doing that consistently night over night after night, we're going to be in a lot of games. And now the offense gets going and you're winning a lot of games. So, 
you know, it's a formula that works. It's easy to talk about. I think when it's going bad, it's when you have to double down on it. And we've been able to do it. Our players have responded and we're having a nice year. You mentioned your center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, and he, he said something the other day that I must have played already 30 times on the show because I just really like it. I've never heard a player say anything like it. I think I know what he's trying to say, and I'm curious your reaction to Julio. This was Saturday when asked about the team and their hot streak. But still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every every single every single guy on this team that they know that we're, what, what they're capable of, we we all see each other preparing yourself. And I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was, was seeing, oh, why is this, this team not playing like this? It just This is just who we are. Where does that come from, the idea that we're not hot, this is just who we are? Well, there's an internal belief uh, in the clubhouse, and that's been there all year long. And it's not just from Julio. It's from JP. It's from Gino. It's from Teo. Ty, Cal. I mean, the guys that are out there grinding it every day, you know, we knew we weren't performing to our capabilities. And, you know, right now we're, we're clicking. And it's not just one guy, it's, it's multiple guys. And the thing that stood out for me and Julio, you talked about our preparation. And I think, you know, as we've got a really fun month ahead of us, these games are going to be exciting. Our fans are into it. Uh, but kind of from where I sit, it's like, okay, let's all lock in, back in, make sure our preparation is where it is. Because once the game starts at 7 o'clock or 6.40, whenever it starts, everybody's locked in. There's no issue. Everybody's at the top rail. Every pitch matters. But what we do leading up to the game, you can control that. And that's your preparation. And our guys are locked in and how they're taking care of their bodies, making sure we understand what the starting pitcher is going to do against us that night, prepping for the other team, making sure we're on top of our game. That's when you really double down on the preparation. And I'm glad to hear Julio say that. You know, Bester only, Scott Serve is with us. Bester was on a couple hours ago, and he said about Julio, there's just very few in the game who just, it's just a confidence that others grow around him, that he just emanates, and it just elevates everybody around them. Scott, I'm curious from your perspective, and Smoltzy was on last week with us saying, you know, you guys got to hang out when you were 18 on a baseball team. So you've been, you've been around the block for some decades in baseball. How many other guys come to your mind as a player that genuinely infects others with confidence around them? Yeah, I've been around a few, and uh, those, some of those guys I was around, they're in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're that talented a player. I think, you know, Julio's got a personality that is, you know, the smile on his face, the energy he plays with, as young as he is, uh, and certainly playing in this market where he can com- be compared to Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, everything lines up, and, you know, he does take people along with him and you know it's exciting to watch not just on the field but kind of what he's doing in the background in the clubhouse and you know it's it's just growing up before our own eyes and our fan base's eyes so um it's a electric personality unbelievable player um we got to keep him healthy brock (laughs) yeah for sure for sure and uh you know we're gonna do everything we can to to do that but um you know he those, those super talented players, they can elevate players around them, and, and we're watching it here every day. And does he challenge your face, too? Because you have an amazing face in the dugout that just never flinches. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, is, it is awesome. The camera is always on you, and you, and I know that can't be what's going on in the gut at times or the heart or anything else. And I'm sure that guy, is, is he the one that maybe impacts your facial expressions the most? <laughs> well, 
unfortunately, when the ball is up in the air and it's going out of the fence, the camera's never on me. Is when I'm screaming, go, 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 and all this other stuff. When the ball goes over the fence, I come right back down. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the emotions that run throughout your, uh, you know, in your body and, and what's going through your head throughout the course of the game. And my job is I'm always thinking ahead, you know, what, what could get us here? Making sure that we're prepared, whether it's it's the defensive alignment, making sure our bullpen's ready, you know, all those things that go through a manager's head. I love my job. I love being around the group of players we have. And, you know, I, I really have to say last night something stood out in the game for me. It's a Tuesday night. It's August 29th. We're in the fourth inning of a game against the Oakland A's. There are 44,000 people on their feet cheering on Cade Marlowe in the box. That's special. You know, I mean, I get it, you know, when it's September 30th and, you know, you're, 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 but it's, we have a month to go, but our fan base is fired up right now. And our players absolutely, they feel it every night before the game. Like, wow, look at all the people here tonight again. But in the fourth inning last night, I'm looking at people in the upper deck and they're standing up, you know, and cheering on a walk with the bases loaded. Pretty awesome right now here at T-Mobile. It seemed like it affected the, the the game a little bit too, and and I don't know what happens if if Caballero doesn't pop up there. It seemed like maybe it affects the pitcher and he gets a little wild, etc. Yeah, I agree. It was a pretty awesome moment last night, just seeing all of that. You mentioned how you love your job. How much easier is it with this starting pitching staff? <laughs> yeah, it, it does make it uh, quite a bit easier <laughs> to enjoy it. Um, our staff's been incredible. Uh, from what Luis Castillo continues to do since we acquired him. George Kirby's taking a step forward. I thought Logan Gilbert was just awesome the last couple of times he's been out there. And the impact that Brian Wu and Bryce Miller have made as young pitchers. Now, we're getting to the point in the season where you're really looking at the workload and where they're at and how their stuff is holding up and where they're at physically. So, you know, doing a lot of discussions kind of behind the scenes. Uh, we understand how critical it is that we keep everybody healthy moving forward. Um, and that includes, you know, The Rock and George and Logan as well as the young guys. So uh, they are the key, you know, pitching and defense wins. I talked earlier about, you know, how we are so good at, at limiting the free bases because it gives us a chance every night. But it starts with those guys on the mound. So um, I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to manage a group like this. And it's been fun to see them, see them all grow together. It's been just moving from there to, to the bullpen. It's been really interesting watching this group this year. And, you know, I, I always think about, you know, your conversations in the past where you talk about using guys against pockets and figuring out who's going to be a good matchup where and all the ways you've used specifically Matt Brash this year in some of the hardest situations imaginable, not necessarily in the ninth inning, but earlier in games where the game is really on the line. As you start to move forward now with Brash and Munoz and Topa and some of those leverage guys, where are you at with using them in sort of this post-Seawald world and one in which both of them have had a couple of struggles here in the last couple of weeks? That would I would determine that, uh, that is the great debate. That's the Ryan Divish question every day. So <laughs> about the closer, and you have to have a closer and all this other stuff. And I tried to explain to the, the local media group the other day, you know, we really haven't had a closer here the last three years. Right. Now, everybody says, oh, we traded our closer away. Paul Seawald. Paul was our closer here for a short amount of time. And the reason that was, if everybody remembers, Andres Munoz was hurt. He was out. You know, he started the season late. And a lot of those pockets fell in the ninth inning where Paul was going to pitch. And before I go into the game, it's not really about the innings. It's the pockets. And sometimes Paul very easily could have had the eighth inning in a lot of those nights, and Topa could have had the ninth inning. But it, it fell on Paul. Paul took it. He did an awesome job for us. Paul Seawald was fantastic when we had him here. But, 
it was never predetermined going into every game that, you know, Paul's got the ninth, Paul's got the ninth. It was just we haven't done it that way. You try to put the players in the best position, the best pockets, like I say, based on matchups and see where it goes from there. Now, as it plays out here, we go through the month. Andres Munoz is probably going to get the most chances in the ninth inning. Okay, he's pitching high leverage, you know, and, and it may work out that way. But some nights you'll see Tope out there. Some nights you'll see Brash out there. We've seen Gabe Spire get a save for us. It depends who you're playing, what the pocket is, what the situation is in the game, and oftentimes who's most rested plays into that as well. So there's a lot of variables. We spend a lot of time talking about it, trying to do the best thing we can for our players. The, the thing that I'm grateful for is our players understand that because we've been really transparent, letting them understand, you know, giving them a feel, or pull, pulling back the curtain, say, hey, here's where I got you tonight. Here's where you may pitch you know, later in this game. You may be earlier tonight. I think they appreciate getting a heads up going in the game, and it's worked for us. So I don't want to mess with something that's working. Hey, uh, last thing for me here, Scott, is is I know maybe you've played a little golf with uh, with some local media members a time or two, and let's just say you're on the PGA Tour. How, how would you be if in the final round you got a lead? Are you looking at the scoreboard? Are you not looking at the scoreboard? Some of these golfers don't even want to know what's going on. They're so focused. I'm curious, 30 games to go, tied for first in this division. It's all in front of you. How much do you look out at that scoreboard with the scores of what's going on around you uh, versus just kind of blocking that whole thing out? Well, I think if anybody told you they're blocking it all out, they're lying to you. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, you know, you're watching. You're watching the league around you. Uh, you know, where teams are at, who they're playing, how it's going. Once the game starts, I'm locked in on our game. I really am. And, you know, what the decisions need to happen there throughout the course of the game. But leading up to the game, post-game, you're looking at those things. Understand, it's, our season's probably going to come down to the last homestand. You know, we, we play the teams in our division that were right there with us, and it's going to be exciting baseball. Uh, we need to make sure we're playing really good baseball along the way. We've got a really big road trip ahead of us. You know, big game today against Oakland. Got to win the series today, day off. And then we go, you know, we go to the Mets, Cincinnati, and Tampa. You know, really good teams. Cincinnati's an exciting young team in their ballpark they can really hit. And Tampa's got one of the best records in the league. So, again, you really take it series at a time. But I'm not going to lie to you, Brock, before the game. I mean, he's been in my office. I got all the TVs on. I'm watching these teams, <laughs> where they're at. And you know what? They're watching where the Mariners are at as well. Don't kid yourself. It's, it's what makes September awesome. It's a really, uh, it's the highlight of the baseball season, getting into October and seeing what happens from there. Yeah, I'm going to guess there was some cheering when uh, Seawald shut the door the other day against Texas mm. or uh, when Houston found a way to lose the other day. I'm going I'm to guess there was a little bit of cheering in around the clubhouse. I, I got to ask about a guy because I we don't know that much about him, but we started, I think, to get a little bit of a look in with a story Goldsmith was telling the other day. And then you said something that just kind of piqued my interest. Could, could you maybe tell me a little bit more about Taylor Sosato? Oh, my gosh, this guy. This is the, the sauce that makes the recipe taste good. He's the sauce. Uh, Taylor has a unique personality. Um, you know, he's from this Stay part of the away. country. He grew up here. He's Stay a huge Seahawks fan. It, 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 he has his, his hand in everything in our clubhouse. He thinks he's a, the best athlete on our team. He really does. Okay? He's, his body comp is DK Metcalf. Uh, he had a Seahawks helmet on the other day, Brock, out pregame, putting formations together and running plays as a left-handed quarterback. He actually can throw the ball pretty well. i got to give him credit. He throws the football very well, but he is in the middle of everything. He's talking to fans in the bullpen. He's just got that 
personality that, you know, he can say crazy stuff. You can get on him hard. He can handle it. Um, I love having him around, and you need those guys. He is everything you would imagine a left-handed pitcher being. He's a little <laughs> quirky, but uh, we, we love having him, and he's had an awesome year for us. But uh, he loves everything Seattle. He grew up here, huge Mariners fan, so um, he's great to have around and love the way he's pitched for us all year long. I got to tell you, I also love some of the fire on the mound. He got mad the other day when he hit the batter in the ninth. The, the day he kind of melted down after uh, was it Hancock had to come out. He was the one who you know jumped on Twitter and just said, "Hey, I know. Thankfully, thankfully the other guys picked me up." It's kind of cool to hear the 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 two sides of the coin on that of being. You know, loose, entertaining, stirring the drink, but also understanding his place and, and the accountability of it. He really is. He's he's very grateful, I think, get an opportunity to be with us. You know, he started his career with Toronto and kind of bounced around there a little bit. He cleaned some things up. He bought into some of the things our pitching coaches had told him early in spring training. Uh, this is a guy, and I remember my spring training meetings. I get players up to interview him all the time. He's sitting in the back of the room. Looks like he's asleep every morning. And the day I had him on, on my sheet, I was going to uh, you know, do the interview with him was later in camp. That's actually the day we sent him out to the minor leagues. And he was so glad he didn't have to do the interview, but he was so pissed off he got sent down. He didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> so, he, uh, again, it's just one of those personalities. He's fun to be around. He keeps it loose, and he really keeps the other players loose as well. Hey, you just used two words there that I, that I wanted to come back to quickly, and that is buy-in, how he bought into the system. And, and we've heard a lot about that from the pitchers. And maybe Seawald was the best example of somebody who came in, was like, yeah, all right, whatever you guys want to do. I'm in. Uh, we hadn't heard that nearly as much about the bats, and, and we talked to Jerry every week and have had some of the conversations about some of the philosophy and the buy-in to it. And we think we've heard you mention some of that over the course of the year in your pre- and post-game comments. And then all of a sudden, we talked to Josh Rojas the other day. By the way, I think Brock and I are kind of in love. He was Jeez. he was like having a spy inside, and like he was so honest and interesting, etc. But he talked about coming up, coming in here and just saying, all right, I'm bought in. What do you guys want to do? Look at my swing and what can you do? How can you help make me better? How has that buy-in changed on the offensive side over the course of this season? Well, I think it's been there all year long. It's just, you know, when you start having success and now it gets publicized and people come talk more about it. But I think the, the trust that our players have with our hitting coaches and the relationships they've had, keep in mind, there's so much failure involved in hitting. It's the hardest coach, the hardest position to coach with, with all the failure that's involved. You know what I mean? But there has been buy. And I think from our, our preparation, our pregame prepping, understanding how we're going to approach certain pitchers to the swing mechanics and what goes on there. You know, we have invested, the organization has invested a lot. We've redone our whole batting cage area with all of the high-tech pitching machines and giving players the data back. And you can have all those tools, but you have to have the coaches in place that understand it and can relay the message. And I think Jared DeHart, our young hitting coach, Tony Arnridge, those guys have done a much better job as the season has gone along with their messaging. And sometimes it takes a while. Okay, what does this group connect with? What do they listen to? What are they just filtering? And I think once we've clearly understood, you know, how we're wired, um, understanding the messaging and, and, and being able to drive it home, it, it's, it's our players are in. They understand it. And for me, you know, I sit in the hitters meetings every day and, and I don't say a whole lot. I sit in the back and I'll chime in once in a while. But it's when the hitters are now talking. This is what this guy tries to do to me. Here's what he did to me last time. Here's how I think we need to approach him. And 
we've seen that growth with our offensive players, and it's it's paying out. Guys have confidence, and it's not just the older veteran guys. It's Julio, it's Cal, it's the guys that are speaking up in those meetings. They're taking accountability, and they're holding each other accountable. That's when you have it going. And credit to our hitting coaches because, you know, it wasn't easy early in the season, and we had to figure out ways to message differently to our players to try to get them to connect, and we did find out a way that works. So, again, we've got to keep it rolling. We've got a big 30 games ahead of us. I know we got to turn this over to Bump and Stacy in a minute. you got to run a 30 seconds quickly here because I, I know you wanted to talk uh, about what you and your wife are doing in eastern Washington. Can you just give me a, a quick thing on what you guys are doing? Yeah, my, my wife, Jill, is really proud of her and what she's done, trying to find ways to give back to the community, and, and we are big animal lovers. Um, she has set up a nonprofit. Uh, it's called Team Okanagan Animal Rescue, helping animal rescues uh, facilities over in Okanagan County where resources are very slim. So we're doing a fundraiser, Pints for Pets. It's going to be over at the Queen Anne Beer Hall here on September 13th. We have a day game that day against the Angels. Afterward, uh, myself, two of our players will be there. We're going to have a fun time. We're going to help raise some money. And uh, Cara Veterinary Clinic, I partnered up with them here in town. Uh, they they run about nine or ten veterinary clinics. Uh, they will be help hosting us as well. So, uh, again, it's, it's toward... Team Okanagan Animal Rescue and, and my wife Jill and about five gals over in eastern Washington have done a great cool. job putting this organization together. Everything from you know transporting dogs to spay neuter clinics, helping food supplies, ultimately looking to raise money to help build the shelter over in eastern Washington, an area that really needs help. So. You'll hear more about it. I appreciate you guys letting me give it a plug. Absolutely. And uh, shoot us over the info. We'll make sure to get it out there next week as well. Scott, we appreciate it. Have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go. Uh, that was before yesterday's game. Fun time to uh, chat with Scott. Then later in the day, he dressed himself like he was in Run DMC and got uh, Reverend Run to do a little video tribute to Julio and the Mariners. So how about that? What a day for Scott. From us in the morning to Reverend Run in the afternoon. Just a, just an average everyday <laughs> in the life of a baseball oh, manager. I'm sneaking the 21st win in the middle. Of the yeah, no, no biggie this month. No I'm biggie. laughing at this text from the 253. Is there anyone that Salk has not played the Julio or not hot gonna, sound for? I'm going to I was thinking about playing it for Jerry today, too. I love it. I'm, like, completely obsessed with it. And I saw that text as well, and I was thinking, good, please keep listening to all these interviews. I love it. If you listen to the show that much, you're exactly what we're looking for. Thanks, brother. All right, coming up next, I mentioned this earlier. I had a conversation yesterday that kind of blew me away. I know that there are holdouts. I know that there are people who don't see the world the way I do, but I was still pretty surprised at this yesterday. I'll explain. Coming up next is Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710, clsports.com.